Hey, what's up, podcast land? This is Mike, your favorite host from Not Your Average Operator. Do me a solid and please be sure to drop that line to Melon and Raph in the comments section. Anyways, moving on to this week's episode, I have the distinct privilege to introduce this week's guest who I am proud to call a friend and fellow veteran. We're going to call him the real Kenny G. Kenny is from the great state of Texas and currently resides there with his beautiful fiance and his kiss-stealing handsome son. He served in the United States Army as an 11 Charlie, which is a mortarman in the infantry from 2004 to 2013. He deployed three times to Iraq in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. On his third deployment, he was wounded three times due to enemy fire and received a Purple Heart for his actions. Now, normally, the focus would be on his military service, but Kenny is a special breed of warrior and of man. In this episode, you will hear his story of selfless service, physical and mental hardships, amazing examples of humility and determination, and ultimately his love for life and how he has not just overcome disabilities, but how he has used his abilities to continue to succeed as a man, a father, a fiance, and as a teammate. In this episode, you will hear some moments of pause from your hosts, and you will hear the reasons why, but there's nothing much else left to say, but sit back and join us now for one hell of a story. Not your average operator. Not your average operator. Not your average operator. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. Well, it's good to see everybody. We had a, a great chat last week uh, about professionalism and we got some great feedback there and we really appreciate that. How you doing there, uh, Raf? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm just trying to wake up. <laughs> it's opposite schedule of everybody else. So it's a little, it's a wee bit early for me. It's an, it's an earlier start for uh, Raf. It's pretty early for me. And then, uh, Mike, how you going, man? It's a late evening for you. Yeah, that's pretty standard, man. I'm a night owl. So I'm actually, I've been having coffee for like the past hour to keep my my wits up so I can match up with your guys' schedule. But it's good, whatever. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I threw a, uh, a couple of coffees on just before we started. And uh, I see we've got a guest here, Mike. Who have we got? Yeah, so this week it lined up and uh, I'm very, very, very honored to have... Uh, my friend Kenny on the show today, um, as you heard in the uh, the little bio at the beginning of the show. But uh, yeah, it's good to finally have him on. How's it going, Kenny? Good, good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Welcome aboard, man. Hello, Raph and Melon. Thanks for having me aboard. So, so yeah, we can't, we kind of did a little intro. We were talking before the show and and everything. So um, we thought we'd do this. Uh, episode just a little bit different and we're going to kind of interview Kenny um, knowing him for as long as I've known him almost about 10 years now uh, we have a lot in common man uh, he's a little bit older than I am a little bit more salt and pepper up top and mine's just falling out so it's kind of the difference there and I think I got a good foot height on him uh, height wise sorry but uh, we have a lot in common um, more so uh, he has way more determination and drive do I do and today you're going to hear some uh, some of Kenny's story and some things that he's uh, been willing to share with us uh, because it's just amazing that I could stand next to this guy, stand over this guy, again, the hype piece. But uh, he's he's a mountain of a man and you'd never even know it because he's just a humble, he's a humble person and he's a good friend. So, uh, yeah, glad to have you, Kenny. Glad to be here. So uh, I guess just starting off, I mean, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the, the background, kind of where you're from and kind of what got you into the, uh, you know, we've done a lot of stuff about mentors and growing up and influence and, uh, you know, what kind of led you to your path to the, uh, to the Army? Well, I graduated uh, high school from Crandall High School in Texas and didn't know what I was going to do. And along the path, talked to an army recruiter, and he showed me the the video that gets most people in. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do that. And went home and I told my dad, 
And my dad said, are you crazy? And I said, <laughs> well, I just need you to sign some paperwork. He ended up signing it. And uh, away I was gone to Georgia for boot camp. Went there, got there, and I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? I want to go home. <laughs> and uh, graduated that and then got my first duty station. Went to uh, 3rd Infantry Division in Georgia. Right when I got there, I deployed. And uh, the rest is history. How many, uh, <clears throat> where did you deploy to? How, how many times have you deployed, Kenny? Three times, all three to Iraq. And what's your uh, MOS? Uh, 11 Charlie, which is a mortarman, smarter infantryman. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, it's cool, man. So, <clears throat> so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I met Kenny is just, you know, hey, hey, man, I'm an Army veteran and me being still active duty and we've had many conversations about it. Um, there's something about Kenny, though, that separates him from other veterans separates him from myself. I think we can all say we've been through some adversity in our life. Um, I can say that the three of us from the the show haven't experienced what Kenny has. And like I said, anytime I'm around him, I always just feel, um, I feel extremely humbled to be next to a person of his character. Um, Kenny was uh, wounded on his uh, third deployment, correct? Yes. Um, would you care to just kind of broad stroke what happened? Yeah, uh, April 22nd, actually it was April 21st, 2008. We were in Kalaf al Hassoun in Iraq, and um, we were going to raid a couple of villages, and we went to our objective, started raiding, and our cordon took fire from another village over. And so we directed our fire over to there. Our cordon surrounded them. We went interior, and then when we got in there, firefight erupted. We pulled out. Um, they sent out women and children. We secured them, put them in the back of the vehicle, and then um, pretty much the Bradleys and stuff fought till the next morning. Uh, the next morning, our commander came over, and he advised that our two fire teams, mine and my buddy Nap. We're going to go in and clear the village. We were going through the village, uh, destruction everywhere. And then the very last room that we were clearing, I was the first man in and yeah, somebody was there waiting on me, laying in a corner and he got me three times. Oh yeah. That's uh, do you, um, Hey Kenny, if I could, do you, uh, what was that like? I mean, did you feel anything immediately or was it kind of, cause you hear about that out of body experience where, where guys said I, initially I didn't feel anything, but I knew I'd been shot. So that's a good, good question, Raph. So I remember when it happened that I flew backwards and I landed on the ground and I was thinking to myself, what are you doing? Why are you not shooting this guy? And just sat there. And he's still shooting, reloading. And then all of a sudden I said, I got to get out of here. And I never knew, I thought I was shooting the whole time. Um, I'm left-handed and my AR was in my left hand and I thought I was shooting, shooting, shooting. I didn't know I got shot in the left arm. And so finally came to census and was like, I got to get out of here. I ran out of the building and there was a bunch of sheep and trough there. I hit it and I fell. And then again, I was like, what are you doing? You're going to die here. What are they going to tell your family? You got to get out of here. So that's when I escaped. That's crazy in the moment, man. When, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I've heard a lot of guys talk about combat. I know like hearing about it, it kind of makes me think whenever those bullets are flying, different stuff is happening in the moment. Stuff seems so fast, but at the same time, it's, it kind of slows way down and you have those conversations with yourself about like, this is really bad. This is a tough spot. What, what am I supposed to do right now? And it's literally that internal voice going off. Um, I don't know what you could define that is, man, but that's, that's literally time stops in its place and you have those conversations with yourself. Yeah. It's uh, man, it's something. 
Um, so you took, you took three rounds from there and you got out and I, I know you've talked about your buddy. I've seen you kind of discuss him sometimes. Um, what, what happened with him and, and, and your buddy, the, the medic? Well, let's go, we'll go backwards real quick. Okay. So after that, um, I, uh, went to the hospital. Uh, they flew me to Baghdad and then had a surgery in Baghdad. Then I went to Washington, had a surgery in Washington or Germany, excuse me, went to Germany, had a surgery there, was there for a little while, went to, uh, Washington had a surgery there. Then they transferred me to Fort, uh, or down in San Antonio, Fort Sam Houston, which is Brooke Army's medical center. I was there, did my rehab there. And the doctor, he knew that I was going through some PTSD stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I kept requesting, Hey, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. And he's like, you can't go back. And just wanted to be there with everybody. It was two months till we came home. Wanted to be there with all my guys. They were there fighting still. And so finally one day he said, Hey, you want to go back? I said, yes. He said, if you can email your command sergeant major, which was command sergeant major Horsley, and you can get me in contact with him, I'll let you go back. And so there I was with a um, cast on my arm and I flew back to Iraq uh, just to fly back with them. That's yep. awesome, man. For the morale. Ugh. Give me goosebumps, Kenny. My, your mates, your mates must have been freaking stoked to see everybody. Him. The morale was great when I got back. Where did you meet up with them? Did you meet them in Baghdad or? No, actually, the same uh, Mosul. I met up with them in Mosul, and I was there for two and a half weeks, um, and. I helped reload everything up, reload the connexes, put the vehicles out, and then came back with them. What um, crazy and, and, and just going back to that to that moment again, I'm assuming that guy was eventually neutralized. The guy that ended up shooting you. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, you were probably part of a stack, and so. I mean, once you once you exited the room, were there other guys behind you that ended up just fragging them? Or um, so there was a lot that went on. I had a nine mil. I shot my nine mil a couple times, and then someone threw. When I exited, no one came in because I was blocking the doorway. When I exited, um, they ended up throwing a smoke grenade in there, and the people were shooting through the wall, and then they ended up running running the whole house over with the tank. <laughs> Man, so it was a good day. <laughs> Man, it, that's the only thing I wish I had on my job is just like, you know, we got to go through the target and use explosives or other other means, and it's just like now we're just gonna run in the building over with a tank. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're on a budget, we're trying to save money on munitions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Petroleum is cheaper. <laughs> Oh my tactics. I love them. Oh. Kenny, were you, uh, was it a medevac chopper that took you out or was it a, a ground extraction? Uh, medevac. Yeah. So I want to wrap some mates. And it was, it was pretty funny because whenever like the ground or the air was kind of red. So I had to wait quite a while, had a tourniquet on my left arm. The worst pain of my life was a tourniquet, not getting shot. The best pain in my life was when they released the tourniquet. Um, but I was laying in the back of an MRAP and they gave me three shots of morphine. And I remember laying there and I was really, really high. And um, they gave me a radio. So I was talking to everybody. <laughs> and then finally the medevac got there. Uh, they put me on the bird. And when I got on there, the flight medic, he was like, where you hit at? And he grabbed my left arm. And I was like, well, right there. <laughs> so, yeah. Man. Yeah. Our, our me, long our story. Me woke up in Baghdad, butt naked with two guys that were shot or one guy was hit by shrapnel the previous night. And, um, one guy was shot the previous night when we first went into the, the, um, 
area and they were standing over me and I was naked. And I'll never forget because there was this guy, his name was Strick. And he was saying, Hey, you're going to look good with that claw talking about my arm being gone. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I woke up or when I realized where I was at, uh, there was a blanket over my arm and I said, Hey, Strick, go ahead and remove that blanket. And so he moved it. And then I had a, uh, external fixator on it. Mm. Great times. Wow. Man, how were you? How good are mates? How good are mates? You know, you've, you've bloody shot up and wounded. They're shot up and wounded. And the first thing they do when they see you is give you some shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was an old country guy too. So you're going to look good with that hook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I know Kenny and hearing this story, it, it, you know, he's just like, Oh, I'm standing there. A bunch of my mates were standing above me and I was naked on the floor. I was immediately going back to other stories where we've been in Dallas or other places with Kenny and he's naked on the floor and we're looking at him. So I, I had to really stop and process like this is in Iraq. This is going on. Okay. Got it. Oh man. <laughs> I'm not going to start with those stories. Yeah. Mike. That's all right. Hey, Kenny, for could you tell us how the re, like how your rehab went? Have you, did you did you end up recovering full use of your arm and you know how was that process like? Um, the process was really long. Like I said, once I I went back to Iraq, um, I was stable. I had a cast on, uh, but once I came back, that's when everything started. And uh, I've had sixteen surgeries. Um, I lost sixty percent of my tricep. I tried um, stem cell research and they put pig intestines in my arm to try to recreate muscle and that did not work. However, I can fully function today. Yeah, I'd say so. So after your, uh, after your rehab and stuff and you got there, Kenny, like where was your mindset as far as like, you know, you're getting out of the army, you know, you, you've been, you've been injured and like seeing a bunch of people at the VA and stuff you had to deal with, like, what was your mindset at that point? Well, so the first thing is I, during the rehab, I requested to stay in. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to be do 20 years, retire and, uh, raise a family. And the doctor said, okay, that's great. We'll give you two more years. So they assigned me to the warrior transition brigade. And that's where I met Pat, um, went to the Steelers game with him, met you. Uh, but anywho, so they assigned me there and I was a squad leader over other purple heart soldiers. So I was helping them trans or their, I was part of their care team, um, helping them transition out of the military or back into the army. Um, so they gave me that two years. And during that time, I did really well. I was still in rehab, still had a couple surgeries. Um, but finally the day came where he said, Hey, you just can't be infantry. So I'm going to need you to go talk to the, um, reenlistment NCO and see what other jobs are available. So I go to them and they said that how it works in the army is that your needs of the army. And so great. So what's needs of the army? And they were like truck driver, um, I think a plumber, supply, and something else. And I was like, uh, I don't think that's for me. So I went back to my surgeon and then he med boarded me and yeah, retired, went home for for about a year and a half and did not work, lived a retired life. Retired life, right. So I remember I remember hearing those like some of those stories and different things you, you were sharing. And, uh, and then I don't know, something kind of clicked, like, what was the transition? Because we're about to get into a really solid part of the story. And this is why I love Kenny, uh, because I've heard a lot of these stories about wounded soldiers before and, and you get out and they're wounded and it's just like, they're, they're handicapped for the rest of their life. And they, they really let it run their life pretty much. It becomes a crutch for everything and everybody's got their struggles. I'm not putting people down. But Kenny really has just kind of gave the finger to adversity. And uh, if you want to just jump in, man, and, and kind of share that next the next chapter of what you got into. 
So, yeah, after they said that I was not fit enough to be infantry, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to show you. So I got out, lived a retired life for a year and a half, um, sat around, and I was thinking back. So when I was young, I always had a dream of being a firefighter or being in the Army. Being a firefighter or being in the Army. Or do I want to go police? So one day out of the blue, got my GI Bill, signed up for fire school. And I said, I'm going to be all about ability over disability. So signed up for fire school, went through the fire school, had no issues with my arm, did full PT tests, anything a regular fireman does, graduated fire school. Then um, right immediately following fire school, I signed up for EMT school, went through my EMT, and then I got a job at McLennan Chisholm Fire Department. And I started out there as a firefighter, fought several structure fires, a lot of structure fires, uh, never had an issue. And then uh, got promoted to lieutenant and then captain. That's such a freaking great story, man. It's awesome. That's, that's pretty amazing, mate. So you, you've rehabbed for about a year and a half and you got yourself reasonably fit again. I just want to draw out that you just said that you had to focus on ability, not disability. Now, you might not know, but a lot of our listeners know my daughter's vision impaired and that's a real thing in our home. You know, we don't focus on what anyone can't do. Like that's that's no way to live. How did that mentality manifest in that time? Like I just, I want you to know that I, I'm loving the story that you, where your focus was and you put yourself through these programs and then in and you just sort of skipped over the fact that you rapidly promoted to captain. But I'd love to hear just the, the mentality, ability versus disability. Yeah. So that's, I was just, they said I couldn't stay in the army and I knew if they gave me a little bit of time, I could because my determination was there. And it's like whenever you're out running two miles, it's, or let's, let's not even say that. Let's say if I'm out riding a bicycle, your legs are tired, you're hurting. I just tell myself, keep doing circles, keep doing circles. You're going to keep going. So if your determination's there, you're going to be able to do anything you set your mind to. And Kenny, I'm just, um, just quick question. So obviously you've achieved a lot and you had like, you, you know, you picked this path and the trajectory was such that your motivation propels you, but like anybody else, man, you're human. So I'm sure you had your down days and just out of curiosity, when you did have your down days, what was your support network? Like, what was it that you sought inside of you to try to like push yourself forward? Or was it like a person? Was it like, you know, scriptures? I mean, like what, what works for you? when you need that extra pusher, specifically back in those days when you went from that transition, right? From the, from the military to the, uh, cause I'm sure for a minute, you probably felt like you were alone. A lot of people feel like they're alone even without being injured. Right. I mean, you leave the military, you're like, Holy hell, that's been my home for 20 years or whatever, however many years. And now you're moving on to. So, um, the support system was friends, people like Mike, Patrick, uh, my dad. But one thing that really stuck out to me, I used to do the ride to recovery. And so I used to ride a bicycle from San Antonio to Dallas, which took seven days. And um, one day I was on a ride and there was a bunch of people quitting. And one day I was like, man, I think I'm just going to fall back with these guys. And I look over to my left and I saw a guy with two prosthetic legs and two prosthetic arms on day six of the ride. And I said, if he can do it, I can do it. And he stuck with me for very long time. So any, anytime I'm having a bad day, if it's not for my friends, think about him, if he's pushing through life and then, yeah, I live, like I was telling Mike before the show, um, if I'm having a bad day on April 22nd, 08, I probably had the worst day of my life. That one passed. So if I'm having a bad day today, this one's probably going to pass as well. Yeah, that's, that's a, Man, that's a great way to have, that's always good to have that in your back pocket. You mean, because we all have those, listen, we're human, man. And it doesn't matter how optimistic and motivated you are. There's a day where life is going to kick you right in the gymmy and it's just going to knock you to your knees and you need something right to be able to reach up and, and get yourself back up. So. Absolutely. That's really, cool. yeah. I, <clears throat> I love the message and I've, I've heard this story a couple of times throughout Kenny and I's friendship, but it never gets old. Like it, it's kind of revisiting some of those stronger points that are in the worst times 
that really uh, remember that he's, he's right. Like you got through it, you know, and we all have our times where we could look back to really hard times and realize that you're still here and that you made it through your worst day, you know, and that's, you should take some pride in yourself and be proud of that. Um, but the story even gets better because <laughs> not only does Kenny go through all this and, you know, work through rehab and become a fireman to a fire captain. Um, but then he became, you know, I know in the army, there's the triple volunteer of like, you know, that was the airborne, the ranger and the SF, right? Well, Kenny's a, a triple volunteer in his own right. So recently he accomplished another feat because he never, he's never going to arrive. And Kenny's a perfect example of this. So if you'd like to share that next chapter that you just started. So I was at McLennan Chisholm, uh, fire, firefighter or a captain. And man, I don't, I don't really know what made me want to do it um, or what popped into my head, but there was a job opening and it was for Heath police fire and rescue and they're triple certified. And I just decided one day to apply over there. And actually my chief now, he used to drive for me at McLennan Chisholm as a fireman. So he's the chief of police and fire where I work now. And uh, he said, Hey, put in. So I put in, went through the interview process and they said, well, if you don't have police, you're a firefighter. Um, so I was on the bottom of the list. So it was like a year, didn't get hired. So I decided to go to police academy through police academy. And it was a long 10 months because of COVID uh, shut us down for a while. And then I went every night from six to 10 Monday through Thursday and every other Saturday from eight to five. And I recently graduated and now I am a police officer, firefighter and a EMT. And I work for a department in Texas and uh, work 24 on 48 off. I'm a police officer for eight hours of those and a firefighter for 16. How's your guys Monday? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Talk about feeling a little bit inadequate. Like that, that's a pretty amazing thing, mate. To I just thought the process of going through the mental getting an invitation and thinking about doing something, you've already had what a lot of people would describe as a pretty extraordinary and um inspiring arc. And then to be like, well, actually you're the bottom of the list. And rather than just continuing your current job and your current life, which is no doubt something pretty extraordinary already to put yourself through effectively. Am I hearing that right? That it was like a night school. In addition to your normal work day, you went and attended the police academy in your own time. Yes. So, um, yeah, it was a night class from six to 10. Monday through Thursday, and then every other Saturday from 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I was bottom on the list, and they kept asking me in the interview process. They said, why here? What are you going to do if you don't get hired? Normally how it goes is they hire you, and they pay for your police academy. And so I was like, well, if I don't get hired, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to police academy, and I'm going to come back and apply again. So I wasn't going to let that stop me either. And it ended up working in my favor. How long was the police academy uh, program that you're in, Kenny? It was a total of 10 months, but we got shut down for a month due to COVID. Right. So, and 10, 10 months of school in addition to, to normal work is pretty significant. Like you're describing a, a heavy week, Monday to Thursday and every second Saturday, in uh, addition to, to work in addition to no doubt family and friends commitments and and you've already achieved what most people would be like that i've done with a study i've arrived now i'm a fire captain it's a it's a pretty motivating thing to hear you know that there's a lifelong journey but that you you know you're just lining up where am i going like what's the objective and what's the pathway all right that one didn't work i'm going to go take the next route right that didn't work i'm going to take the third route and I'll tell you what, Melon, stay tuned because there will be more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. That's what, oh, Kenny. Please, hey, Kenny, please tell me you're taking Melon's job. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that, would, that would literally be like, 
the best way to end it. Can't do that. Professional yeah. uh, frothy taste tester. There you go. Pretty much. And so, actually, Kenny, quick question. Um, I'm assuming you're a family man. You're married, kids. I have a fiance and a son. Yes. Okay. My son's two years and old. And so, congrats. Oh, congratulations. I've got a, a two year old son. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a fun state. Yeah, it really is, man. It's a fun, fun stage. They're just like little monkeys, literally. Yep. Um, so the question is, you know, during this, during this transition, right. Um, were you like, what was that support system like? Cause it sounds like you've had a heavy load, you know, like a, a, just a lot on your plate. So what'd you do to manage that? Right. Because sometimes when you have a lot going on, it, it tends to put strain on relationships. So first of all, shout out to her. Cause she sounds awesome. Cause she's still here, you know, doing, and you guys, so anyways, but, uh, yeah. What was that like? You know, just the family life. Cause that's the part no one ever talks about, but that's usually the one that takes the hit. Yeah. So Alexis, she's a firefighter as well. And, um, when we were having a baby, she stopped firefighting. And so she was a stay at home mom. She was not working at the time and she took it like a champ supported me. And my dad was, and stepmom were a major key along as well as her family. They would keep the little man, let us go out on date nights on the nights that I'm off. And, uh, yeah. So she was, it was all her. So that's what I told her when I graduated. Say, Hey, this certificate is actually yours. I'm just going to do the job. <laughs> that's awesome. That's such a good story. Like when, whenever you, when you pick up a life partner, like their family is, it, like you get it much more as you get older, right? That that family is what you're you're marrying into, or you know you're getting engaged into. So like, obviously these like she's obviously a star herself, been a firefighter, and with the, the kind of family who are like, yep, we're taking the the little man, and you guys are having your date nights. You can keep that, you know, boyfriend girlfriend feeling going. That important yes. relationship that whole family rests on, right? And the rest of your life has that foundation. Absolutely. Just try not to have another baby right now. <laughs> I have just a, just a, a side note. I gotta, I gotta add it in because it's my nickname for Kenny, but I call him the horny chipmunk, you know, <laughs> because when we first met, he was just bouncing around the walls and always energetic, not because he was doing everything bad, but he was just energetic and always bouncing around, you know, doing fun stuff. So still, still holds true. Trying to calm down a little bit. Yeah, you have. I'm proud of you, man. I really am. Um, is, it, is your fiance back uh, firefighting now, Kenny? Uh, no, not currently because my schedule, I work 24 on 48 off. And uh, if she was working, she'd work 24 on 48 off as well. And so, and the way the fire service works is you have an A shift, B and C. Like today is Monday. So it's, it would be B shift tomorrow, Tuesday C, and then Wednesday's A. So if I worked B shift and she worked C shift, we would only see each other 24, like one day. And then I'd be back at work and then just keep doing that pattern. So it just wouldn't work out. So she's really put her life on hold um, and her dreams, because that's what she dreamed of being a firefighter uh, for me to pursue my passion. Yeah. And so she's actually a support. Absolutely. She's actually a county court clerk. So she works eight to five. We're just yeah, all, that, just so I, people, we're all sitting here smiling and just shaking heads thinking freaking where, where do these women come from? Right? Like what? Uh, she's Yeah. Of, of course she's doing all of that as well. Yeah. I got it made. So <clears throat> Kenny, just to kind of, you know, we'll wrap up the episode here in a minute, but I, I would say, Number one, man, just since I've known you and hearing your story and then just being able to like stand next to you and we sit out there playing cornhole, having a few beers, just like two old boys, you know, I, I know I don't say it that much, man, but you know, I, I tell you all the time, but like, I'm just extremely proud to have you as a friend. And I mean, as, as a veteran, like just, just everything, man, like I'm, I'm very blessed to have you in my life. And now with people getting to hear your story after all this and where you're at right now, what would, and I know we do this a lot, but, you know, just to put it out on here, because Kenny's very, very active within mil- the military charity with Operation Once a Lifetime and, and all that stuff. 
all, all down there. He's always, always, always helping other vet, <clears throat> other veterans. And uh, what would be the one thing that you would like after everything you've been through to pass on to people who are maybe struggling uh, in some situations that you've had to go through? So maybe they're purple heart recipients, maybe they're transitioning, maybe they're getting ready to start a new chapter. Yeah. Um, I would have to say, like I said earlier, you faced your worst day already and that one's going to pass too. And if you're ever thinking about harming yourself, pick up a phone and call someone because it does happen. Those thoughts go through your head. Um, majority of people probably think about it, um, but they just don't have a plan to do it. But if you're having a plan to do it, you just need to contact somebody, talk to them and, uh, yeah, talk it out and get the help that you need. There's nothing worse than every day opening up Facebook or the news and seeing a suicide. And especially if somebody that, you know, and it happens far too often. Yeah. I know, I know, you know, you and I've talked, but we've always said, you know, I, I I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather show up to have a conversation than to show up at your funeral. Absolutely. You know, and, and if you can just pick up the phone and I say, Hey, Mike, I'm gonna make a pact with you. If you're thinking about hurting yourself, you're going to call me first. Don't do anything. And if you hold true to that pact, we'll both, both be better off. Yeah. You know, I know I'll, I'll put it out there. So last year, you know, I had a really rough year, rough year and I wasn't sleeping that much at all. And I was just in a really bad spot. And, uh, out of all the people, Kenny, including Melon and Raph, but Kenny was the other guy who would literally call me maybe twice a day just to be like, Hey man, how you doing? Do you need to talk? Hey, I got to work, but call me, you know, I'll, I can call you back at like eight o'clock tonight. Are you going to be around? And he was always just there <clears throat> just to let me know he was there. And it helped me so much just to be able to, to know that I wasn't by myself when the walls are talking and everything's just kind of going down the shitter. Um, that's the type of guy Kenny is. And he's inspired me to be better and, and to be able to be that for other people as well. So, um, we all stand in ranks. Kenny is in those ranks and I'm very proud to be standing next to him. And I appreciate Raph, Mellon, Mike. Appreciate all you guys listening to y'all show. Um, normally listen when I'm on patrol and I uh, got a couple of buddies at work now that listen to it and I love it. It's a uh, motivation and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, man. So what's next? What's next? Are you running for freaking office? Are we going to hear about <laughs> Governor Kenny? No, I, I am. Uh, I'm planning on doing fire investigation um, classes, and then after that, I'm going to pursue um, associates and associates in police, and then associates in fire. Um, and there's just some other stuff pending. We'll see. I'm not going to speak on it yet. I, like I just want to draw, I don't think I need to but I just want to draw attention to the fact that Kenny is like on a lifelong lifelong program of self-improvement that it's it's one of these things that you know you're either growing or you're shrinking like I think everything in life is either you're either on the way up or on the way down it's very very rare that anyone maintains like you don't just sit at the top of the mountain with no effort it doesn't happen and that Kenny's attitude in life comes comes across in the interview like the three of us are just sitting here smiling at this guy and i'm getting motivated and thinking about things that i can get after this week having uh listened to your story kenny but you know it, it it it's it just it never ends because it never ends and you're in the position you're in because you never let it end you know and it's not there's no destination right like there's it's just carrying on on the journey yeah, if you're not improving, someone else is improving. Going to take your spot and do it for you. There you go. Such a motivating story. It's unreal. Again, I appreciate it. Do you uh, not to circle back to to that night in uh, Iraq? But do you ever like how how's the PTSD stuff been? I mean, is that pretty much kind of been dealt with and 
Yeah, it was a, it was a long road at first. Um, it really helped me going back. Um, but I was, in, I did some extensive, extensive, uh, rehab, some IMR therapy, laser therapy, um, and several or numerous counseling sessions, uh, group talk, everything that you can think of. And it's good. Um, have a photo of the guy on my phone that, uh, if I'm having a bad day, I can look at it and say, Hey, he's having a worse day. So I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. That's actually a legit, that's actually a legit uh, process there. Oh, that's the stoic thing of, you know, worst casing and benchmarking and maintaining gratitude. And it's a very powerful thing like that story about you being on the ride across Texas and, uh, you know, having a hard time and then seeing your mate who was in a worse situation than you, but he was sticking with it. And that, that gave you the strength to carry on. Oh yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot in that for all of us, like your own worst day, as you say, like you, you got through your worst day and uh, this day will end as well. But also that, that benchmarking to maintain gratitude for whatever you have. There's someone out there who trade everything they've got for what you've got on your, on your worst day. You know, that's, and it's hard to maintain that perspective, right? Like we normally only look up. We don't look like down and see other people who are having a harder time than us. Yep. And in, in that PTSD journey, I don't want to harp on it if it wasn't really a massive problem. What was the part of that that gave you the, the biggest help, Kenny? Was it was there a particular counseling program or was there a, a particular group talk or was there a, a particular type of therapy that made a difference for you or were you getting through it anyway just because you got this massive positive energy? <laughs> no, I, I really, really, really struggled a lot um, sleeping at night. It would just replay over and over and over and some other events that happen replay over and over and over. And, um, I got out and it was actually locally to where I live. I went and saw a therapist and, um, she actually made me write a paper. I wrote a paper about the series of events and then I took it back to her. And she kept saying, I need more detail here. Need more detail here. Need more detail here. And so I'd write it again and I probably did that a hundred times and just through that process, it made me better and better and better and better rewriting the story, rewriting the story, rewriting the story. And then I don't, I don't know what it was, but just adding detail. What did I hear? What did I smell? What did I see? What did I taste? What was I thinking? What was I feeling uh, over and over and just more and more detail really, really, did it for me. So, so just out of curiosity, so in doing that, were you and processing that and writing it over and over, did that just eventually instead of like was that helping you turn the nightmares into like just acceptance and you know uh kind of just accepting I guess what had happened and just kind of being like Melon said, being more stoic and just being like, look, it is what it is, it's behind me now. That's 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 what I think. That's what it did. And I almost said a second ago, like kind of immune to it. But um, that's, yeah, I believe that's what it did. It really, really how helped. Did, how long did that take, Kenny, that part of the treatment? So I started treatment, and I failed to mention this earlier. I got shot April 22nd, 08. I didn't get out of the Army till 2013. So wow. those years I was doing surgery, 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 rehab, 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 counseling, all that stuff. And then when I got out, um, my arm was good when I got out, or I think it was, I say it's good. They didn't think so. But, um, the PTSD was good most of the part. And then in 2000, right when I got out in 2013, when I moved back home, I saw that lady in about six months of writing that paper. That's what did it for me. That's It's, it's really good, I think, for anyone out there, and they don't necessarily have to be military veterans, but just to hear that that process is not quick, that it was 08 to 13, perhaps getting you physically right, and no doubt that was having a positive effect on your state of mind. And just, again, you have some incredible level of resilience, Kenny, you know, and your, your attitude is very inspirational. But then in 2013, so five years later, now a six-month program, has then had a big effect on you, you know, like you've done the, 
the work leading up to it and you've got your body right and then you found the right program for you and then it's still a six-month arc, you know, to get through that. So I think that's really good for people to hear that it might not be right away but that they're and the program might be different for different people but that this one has been highly effective. Was this outside the military? Was this a civilian uh, yes. purpose? Right. Yeah, and, and the, the civilian side, that helped. And then, of course, talking like amongst veterans, um, everybody has their own way of coping. But if Mike called me and said, hey, how did you cope with this? I can tell him. Or if I called him and said, hey, this is what's going on. You got any pointers for me? That really helps a lot to you. Yeah, it goes back to like just having that lifeline to reach out to and just knowing that somebody's there depending on you. And, and it's just like, I'm, I got you, man. Like, what do you need? And just being open to it, it says everything, just being available. You know, he's absolutely right. And one last question for me, Kenny, uh, obviously you were shot. I think you said in the shoulder and in the arm because of that, obviously I'm sure there's some varying degrees of limitations when you're trying to work out, when you're trying to do physical stuff, but specifically just in terms of fitness, how do you get around whatever limitations um, that were brought on by the wounds? Because that obviously that's something that people struggle with. We're like, Hey, I'm trying to get better physically or whatever, but my shoulder hurts or, you know, I just, there's people just have excuses and I just, you know, like, like yeah. Mel said, you're resilient. So I'm sure that you, you've, you, you of all people know how to circumnavigate whatever the hell is in front of you. So I think so, whatever you have is probably gold. Whenever I uh, applied for police fire and rescue job, I was sick to my stomach over doing pushups. I got this in tricep, can't do pushups. So I started practicing, 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 couldn't do a pushup uh, from like not on my knees and uh, kept practicing, practicing, practicing. And then, um, I couldn't really put my hands out. I had to be on my fist because it would hurt my, um, my, where my entry point was. And so the day of the test came, I went out there and I was able to do 27 pushups. I don't just push through it. I don't, that's all I did. Didn't can't straighten my arm out all the way, but they didn't, I don't know. I just pushed through it, got through it, prayed about it. And yeah, practice makes perfect. Yeah. I, I like that. Cause there's like, it's, it's simple, but you know, it, it makes sense, right? Like whatever it is that you you're not good at, just start doing it and fail a million times. Cause eventually you're going to succeed. I told and myself so every, I told myself every single day, I was like, I don't even know why you applied for this. You're not going to be able to do it. I pray. I, I would sit in the living room. I say, okay, got to do these pushups. I would do them, roll over and say, like, I don't know why I applied for it. I ain't going to get it. And then just kept working at it. And then the day came, went there, said, I'm going to do it. And I did it. I think that's such a, you know, I, I know we're taking some time here and I, perhaps we could have you on for another story, like another chat. Cause it's just, your energy is very uh, motivating, Kenny. But I think there's something for everyone in that. For some people, it might not be physical, but everyone has an area that we're not good at. And everyone has an area that either brings pain or we're weak. And it's such a motivating thing to hear that you just kept attacking it. And it could, it could be an education area. It could be any part of life for people listening. And that avoiding it, you're never going to address it. And maybe you're never going to do a thousand, you know, we're not going to be a Goggins in the world record for chin-ups, for example, but you, you can, you can do a lot better than what you think. And there's some element of success. that just comes from attacking your weakness, like with just a never give up attitude. Yeah. And you can do a lot for your self-esteem too. If you set a goal and do your push-ups, say I'm going to do 10 push-ups. You do that. It's going to give you the confidence. The next day you're going to say I can do 12. You're going to do the 12. You're just going to keep going, building that self-confidence, self-esteem up. I like the way that you, you're having the negative thoughts. <laughs> You'd roll over and do the push-ups anyway and roll over and have the negative thoughts and just do it again. <laughs> like there's something, there's something so good about that of just, you know, not, not waiting for the negative thoughts to stop, but just doing it anyway and being like, okay, mind, you can say what you're going to say, but I'm going to do these anyway. Yeah, but that, that just shows that if you set your mind or set a goal, 
that, hey, I want this job and you work for it, you're going to achieve it even if you think you can't get it while you're practicing it. There's think, nothing you can't do that you, if you set your mind to it. I think it, it just resonates what, um, what you know, we hear a lot of like motivational speakers say too, which is, you know, everybody has that negative voice in their head. And sometimes you just have to tell it to shut the F up. I mean, you just like turn the volume down and just do it. Like stop listening to it, put your shoes on, knock out the push-ups. Um, that sort of, so it, I think that's, that, that's awesome, man. Absolutely. Well, just, I just want to acknowledge, uh, what, what we've had here is, is such a great insight into someone who has had some really significant, I always re- refer to my high, my stress points with, uh, brushes with death and, uh, serious health issues as those high tide marks of stress and, Kenny is someone whose high tide mark for stress is right up there on the wall, on the seawall, you know, and are well above where most people are ever going to get to. And it just, it just says a lot about what you're going to be able to deal with in the future. And I, I think that you've really presented an accessible story for people about the mental attitude that sets you up for success in life. And you don't have to have had a breakdown on the scale that Kenny's had to really take something from his story and apply it to your own life. You know, you got a army guy wounded five years later, discharges, but in that period has been helping other Purple Heart recipients deal with themselves. He's undertaken the rehab program. He's set himself some uh, stretch goals that were like over the horizon for his physical rehab and targeting uh, a second career. And he's gone on to achieve fire captain, targeted uh, night school, put himself through that in the evening while still having our family and work commitments. So I had the ride to recovery across Texas and he's been inspired by a mate there who was in an even worse situation than him and, and, he, and he would not give up after that. And he's now police fire EMT. It's just an extraordinary story. He's got his fiance behind him and he's uh, got his little man. I wonder whether he runs around with little hamburger patties for feet like uh, the bean. There's some tongs might address that. So just an extraordinary uh, story, Kenny. It'd be great to have you on for uh, another one and a, a deep dive on a different topic, perhaps. We'll go with, um, if you want to send something to Kenny, you can hit up Mike77 at Gmail, or you can, not your average Mike77, not your average Raf or not your average Paul. And uh, look, I just hope you guys out there are smiling and getting some of the energy that uh, Kenny's putting out there. And I hope you just get after it today and next week and uh, we'll see you all on the other side. So from all of us to all of you, stay focused, stay safe and see you next time.